near-death experience podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Near Death Experience Podcast, item number 374. January 11th, 2022, the NDEs of Zeneda, Shirley D., and Missy M. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I am Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side, as well as the music album, home. Today we're going to share three short near-death experiences. The first, well, all three are from enderf.org, the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation website, and we'll take a break between each one to talk about what happens in it and some thoughts on it. Okay, this first one is by Zaneda, who says, it was January 19th, 1976, and I was seven months pregnant with my second child. I went to shower and started having really strong contractions. I felt faint. There was nobody home except for one of my father's farm workers who was out front. The last thing I remembered before fainting and hitting the back of my head on the toilet was me screaming in Spanish for the worker to come help me. The next thing I remember was flying through a dark tunnel at a speed that felt faster than the speed of light. I could see a golden light far in the distance. Then the light got progressively closer and bigger until I was at the point of collision with it, and bang, it was like the sparks from a firecracker. I crashed into what felt like a swimming pool filled with love instead of water. Only suddenly I was transported to this gigantic hall that seemed like a Grand Canyon station in Manhattan, but hundred times bigger. This place was filled with billions of people in white robes, people of all races, ethnicities, gender, and ages. There was a feeling of love that reverberated through everyone. There was also a song that played endlessly. The song was too perfect to describe. As I was floating and enjoying the sense of love that permeates through the beautiful, gigantic hall or auditorium, a hand grabbed my hand. I couldn't see who it was, but it flew up with me and we left this place behind. We were flying through the clouds. Then I saw the surface of the earth and a map-sized image of my island. We came closer and closer to Earth until I could see the central hospital in my town. I woke up suddenly in the intensive care unit, surrounded by my family and doctors. 
Two months later, I gave birth to my daughter. In retrospect, I had a significant injury on the back of my skull, and I was unconscious for 25 minutes, yet, in my experience, it felt like five million years, because time was endless. That is the end of Zaneda's account. Okay, so her experience has the all the classic elements, it seems. It's, it's what you might call a quintessential near-death experience. It's got a tunnel, it's got a light, it's got, uh, you know, a building with a bit of a landscapeness about it, people, um, all of this. But uh, there are some things that I find really cool about her description of the experiences. First off, she's, you know, you hear of, of speeding toward this tunnel over and over. You hear about it uh, going as if the speed of light, that comes up, and uh, this golden light in the distance. But then she describes it as it coming closer and bigger to the point of collision. So she, you know, I'm almost wondering if she's kind of bracing herself for impact. It's, it seems to be so, you know, coming up so fast, and she's not apparently sure what this is. But the moment she hits it, it she says it's like the sparks from a firecracker. She says she crashed into what felt like a swimming pool filled with love instead of water. So there's probably some physicality about the sense of entering this light that is like hitting water. Um, it's so impactful and, uh, and it emanating sparks like a firecracker as if, you know, the light and the love is splashing over her like water. I think that's a really cool uh, description. And then she describes being in what looks like a Grand Central Station in Manhattan, but a hundred times bigger. Now, I have heard many describe uh, an auditorium of sorts, um, some kind of coliseum almost type of setting, um, but bigger and filled with people. This has come up in enough near-death experiences, we should probably come up with a name for it. For now, we'll call it a heavenly auditorium, uh, but we should probably have a term for it because it does come up several times in near-death experiences, um, which makes it a data point worth, uh, you know, giving more attention to. But uh, she describes it being full of billions of people of all races, ethnicities, genders, ages, and so forth, and that there is this love, this feeling of love that reverberates through everyone. And there was also a song that played endlessly, which she says is too perfect to describe. Now, at the risk of putting, you know, what's going on in her experience beyond what she says, um, I will mention that uh, in Natalie Sudman's near-death experience, which you can look up online, and I, we may have a, an episode on her. If not, we should definitely do one in the future. But um, in Natalie Sudman's experience, she finds herself, in part of the experience, in this heavenly auditorium of sorts, filled with people, and there is obviously love, and there's, you know, all this emanating um, around her and through her, but also, she says that from her perspective, it is as if 
She is in the center of this auditorium, and she is emanating some kind of uploads to all these people, almost as if, at least this is what I'm gathering of Natalie's interpretation of what she is experiencing, is that on some level, this upload is constantly taking place while she is in her mortal life. And at the moment of her near-death experience, she is more, more completely present there because she's left her body and so forth. But it's as if her spirit is somehow uploading constantly this information of love and teaching and learning from her mortal experience to these people in this heavenly auditorium. Now, are these pre-mortal spirits who have not yet come? Are they, you know, uh, just all kinds of spirits who are there for the lessons that can be offered from her life? I don't know. Obviously, um, we're left to Natalie's interpretation of what's going on, which seems to be just that, that there is some kind of lessons emanating from her through her life and that she is there emanating that to the people in the auditorium. Now, is this what Zaneda is experiencing? I have no idea. She doesn't say. But she does say, I was floating and enjoying the sense of love that permeates through the beautiful, gigantic hall or auditorium. And um, as she's, you know, enjoying this, a hand grabs her hand and she is flown into the air uh, leaving that place behind and she until she sees the surface of the earth, a map-sized image of her island, and then suddenly she wakes up in the intensive care unit. I do think Zaneda's experience is worth noting simply because of this auditorium experience and the flying experience. I can never get enough of the uh, flying and near-death experiences. I look forward to that myself. I want to do some serious you know, fun flying when I get to the other side. Okay, let's go on to Shirley's experience. She says, I was in such a bad place in my life. I thought the only way out was to take my own life. I asked God to forgive me for what I was about to do. I took a bottle of muscle relaxers and drank a 40-ounce bottle of beer. I laid on my bed on my back and waited to go to sleep. The next thing I felt felt was myself rising. I remember thinking that I was going to hit the ceiling. Then I was above the ceiling and still floating up. I looked down and saw my mom's house. She lived just a few blocks from me. I always have dreams that I can fly, but the tree limbs and telephone wires stop me and I fall. But this time... I kept floating up and past the tree limbs and telephone wires. I floated up above the clouds. The next thing I remember is floating upright. Two people who had died that year were a few feet away from me. The father of my children and one of my friends held out their hands and told me to stop and that I couldn't come any closer. So I stopped. I saw millions of spirits. They were a ways behind Ernie and Eleanor. One I recognized was my grandpa. As I floated up, I felt all my bad feelings just fall off from me. 
One by one, the hurt, anger, and all negative feelings fell off of me. There was such a peaceful and sweet feeling that I cannot put it into words. I begged them to let me continue on, but they said I had to go back because I wasn't done yet. I started to fall. As I did so, all those feelings came back onto me one by one. I then was awake in my bed. I just started to cry. But I know there is a heaven, and I always try to remember that feeling of peace and love. That is the end of Shirley's account. Okay, so another example of this, um, of some classic elements of near-death experiences. Again, the flying. I love this. <laughs> I love the flying. She experienced flying in dreams in the past, but was never able to get past the tree limbs and telephone wires. But now she keeps floating up and, and just keeps going up into the clouds, above the clouds. And, and then she's floating upright and finds herself encountering people who had died recently and uh, and some of her loved ones, her grandpa, um, the father of her children, and they stop her and say, you can't continue. But as she's in this setting, all the bad feelings of her life, the negative feelings, the grudges probably, the, the fears and anger, the uh, frustration, um, all of that just disappears. It melts away. Which makes me think that much of those feelings are part of the body itself. The mortal body, as it is anyway. The imperfect, broken bodies that we have. And so when she leaves the body, those feelings go away. But interestingly, it's not entirely the body, though. There's something about this realm or something about approaching this realm, perhaps, that allows those feelings to return. Because as she is returning, she's not yet in her body, but as she's returning, the negative feelings begin to come back one by one. And it makes me think that it is this earthly realm, perhaps, then, and maybe not the body, but the realm itself that allows for the negative feelings, the grudges, the hatred and anger, frustration and fear, uh, those kinds of things. There's something about this realm that permits for that quite readily, as any of us can attest. But when she's away from that, it's gone. Which brings up the question for me, what is it about this life with its negative feelings that brings on these, or not, not what is it that brings on the negative feelings? I, I mean, there, there, that could be an exploration of itself, what causes it in the first place. But a bigger question is, why then do we come here? We know from these experiences, we come to learn, we come to experience and to learn what love really is and what it means. But why do we need those negative painful feelings, those awful feelings, in order to experience that. I, see, I think that probably part of it, this is my understanding of things, is that it's that uh, you've got to know the bitter in order to taste the sweet. I think by experiencing negative emotion and pain and suffering and being able to carry on a perfect 
memory of that in some degree on to the next life. We can always refer back to it to uh, remember how wonderful the joy is that we experience now. Anyone who has gone through a serious, serious illness, especially over a long time or injury, and then makes a full recovery where the pain is gone or the uh, the sickness and, and suffering is gone, there is this almost euphoric comeback, right? We have this time of feeling just having a great day all of a sudden. And it's not that we're physically or mentally in a better state than we were prior to getting sick or hurt, but it's that our, we're recognizing this, this great state that we're commonly in and that we've returned to it is a, you know, like I said, an ecstatic thing. And maybe that's a little bit of what is happening with our spirits. Now, as mortals, you know, two weeks later, we're grumpy and and troublesome again, just because life gets that way. And we forget that, uh, that bitter and sweet contrast. But in the spirit form, do we forget it? Well, we do know that memories are sometimes taken for a time when we get to the other side. But when they come back, they come back hardcore. And I gather that our memories on that side are perfect, or that they become perfect as we transition to the other side, which makes me think that perhaps that bitter and sweetness is able to be retained over time, and for that matter, eternity. I mean, was it uh, Shirley or Zaneda that described, even though she was only gone a short time, it felt like it was a million years because there was no time. She just felt like she was always there kind of thing, even though it was only a short time in Earth time. Kind of interesting. Okay, let's go on to Missy's experience, and this will be our last one today. Missy says, I suddenly woke. I was not in a dream state, but fully aware of where I was. I was standing in a desert-type area that was golden and hazy, I was standing on the edge of heaven. I looked at what appeared to be a wall. It looked like the wall surrounding an earthly city, but I knew exactly where I was. And it wasn't earth or a dream. I was completely lucid. The gold and blue colors I saw in the experience were are indescribable. Like a turquoise color mixed with the bluest hues of the ocean and intertwined with gold. It was the most magnificent thing I have ever seen. And more importantly, I felt it. I stood there for what felt like forever. I felt no pain, worry, or fear. I had no feeling of looking back. During this time... I never thought of my children because I had no thought of anything other than about peace and beauty. I saw a person off in the distance, yet the experience was all around me. It was Jesus and God at the same time enveloping me in a feeling of love and peace. A love and peace that just didn't exist until this point. 
As the golden flakes of sand stirred in an infinite swirl, there was no feeling of wind, hot or cold. I only felt comfort. I was completely undisturbed by the peaceful turbulence happening before my eyes. I suddenly had a thought or a feeling of want. I wanted to go inside the city. In a conscious thought, I was about to take a step when my deceased father and mother both said to me, It's not your time, not yet. You have to go back. I could see and hear them both in one voice and in their own voices together. It's hard to explain that one in earthly language. I said, No, I want to stay here with you. They each placed a hand on my shoulder and looked into the eyes of Christ for a brief moment as he was suddenly there. He was not saying, but instilling in me the thought that everything will be okay. And a feeling of, we will meet again soon. Suddenly I was awake on the operating table. I know I was talking because the nurse said to me, I believe you. You're not the first one to say things like that. I believe you. She continued to reassure me as I began crying, realizing I was back in this miserable earthly life. The nurse wiped my tears and continued to reassure me. I just kept crying and saying, I want to go back. I don't want to be here. She then asked me if I had children. Suddenly, I wanted to be here again. The feeling of peace, love, and beauty had made me forget my two boys, ages 23 and 16 at the time. I knew then why I had to come back and continue living, yet I also knew of the beauty awaiting for me. It was so profound. I know that I can get through anything to get back there to heaven. This short narrative doesn't even come close to explaining my experience. There are not words to describe it. Only the knowledge of knowing heaven is real. And I can't wait to go back when it's my time. And that is the end of Missy's account. And before I get too deep into uh, talking about it, I just want to apologize if by chance I've read this one before as I read the words uh, that the nurse was saying, I believe you, you're not the first one to say things like that. It seems like... I've read one that said something like that. So if this is a repeat, then I apologize. But um, I don't think it is. It, it could be that I just, I'm just remembering that from when I reviewed it, you know, to consider it for the podcast. Anyway, let's talk about it because this has several elements like the other ones that are just fascinating and beautiful. Um, first off, She's standing in a landscape. It's kind of a desert-like landscape. If I'm understanding what she's saying right, there's a wall there. And beyond the wall, which she can see either over or through or something, my guess is that she's seeing over the top of it, and she can see into this uh, city. It's, it's like an earthly city, but she knows that it's, it's more than that. There's something more about it. And... As she's viewing this scene, there is there are these just gold and like the colors that she's seeing are gold and blue that are indescribable, like turquoise. 
mixed with the bluest hues of ocean and intertwined with gold. This is so common in near-death experiences, this, this description of colors beyond anything that we have here, that I think that we can rule out those that say that there is no, nothing visual on the other side, um, but rather it's all feeling and so forth, that they are simply experiencing part of heaven, part of the spirit world, that they are not, and maybe they're even going there, but not fully there, there yet. Because, I mean, it, there are so many that describe these incredible colors, and or, or maybe it's the other way around, that, that these this colorful landscape-type places are a precursor to a greater place that goes way beyond visual. I don't know, but I think it's fair to say that absolutely there is visual, deep, deep visual on the other side. And uh, and I just wanted to bring that up. Um, I don't find this to be contradictory to, or I don't find those who describe their experience not being a visual experience to be contradictory, but rather that it is a different aspect of, you know, kind of experience, or that one or the other is just experiencing a different part of the spirit world, something to that effect. From what I gather, the spirit world is a very broad, diverse, and fascinating place with many kinds of landscapes, cities, places, buildings, people, animals, uh, creatures, beyond anything we can imagine here. And you think of how diverse the earth is across the entire planet. Um, that is what you get when you get broken mortals with limited lifespans and have to spend 85% of their time just surviving, that's the diversity that you get on a planet like this. Imagine what you get when there is freedom and creativity beyond anything you can imagine here. You know, I, I don't know if you play uh, Minecraft or Mind Test is the one my kids play because it's the, the free version that, you know, has all kinds of apps you can add for free or mods that you can add for free. Anyway, if you've ever played it and just this ability to build and create with unlimited capacity, I'm picturing the spirit world almost being like the perfect infinite version of that and that there's no limit to it in that sense and that without time or the uh, distractions of needing to, I don't know, eat, <laughs> survive, um, those kinds of things. And without the, the dangers that this earth provides, the diversity just, it's just, the, the capacity for diversity is amazing. Okay, so anyway, she's describing the, what she's seeing and as she's describing this landscape and, and the city in the distance, the sand and the colors and all this, she says, the, it was the most magnificent thing that I have ever seen, and more importantly, I felt it. I stood there for what felt like forever, and she's just feeling this. And I gather from that that the emotions... We, we know from the previous experience we read that those, those negative emotions are lifted and what's left behind is just kind of this core, beautiful, you know, uh, peace and so forth. And yet this goes beyond that. This goes beyond just uh, what we might describe as a meditative state that is, is peaceful and loving. 
this goes to the point of she is able to, if I'm understanding this right, interpret what she's seeing emotionally. It's as if the emotions are themselves a sixth sense with space and and location. Is that reading too much into it? Maybe. But I gather maybe not from what we're reading here and in other experiences. She's experiencing everything on an emotional level. How cool is that? Okay, and it, up to this point, she's not even thinking about her children because she's so caught up in her experience at the moment. And as she is standing in these <clears throat> golden flakes of swir sand swirling, I and and she doesn't say exactly what's going on, just that there is this turbulence of of what seems to be the effect of wind, though there is no feeling of wind, there seems to be this turbulence about her, and I'm gathering that these golden flakes of sand are swirling about, and there's almost like a storm kind of a, a, a feeling about it, you know, when you can see a storm coming, and there's that kind of, you know, intensity about it, but this being a joyful and fascinating, loving intensity, that she's experiencing this, in a, and then she finds herself being told by her uh, father and grandmother, who have both died previously, their voices somehow together, and somehow not in this earthly language type of a way, you know, don't, don't picture the demonic shows where there's like multiple voices speaking at once out of one voice. I don't think that's what's, what she's experiencing, but together they're saying at the same time together, um, no, you have to go back. You have to go back. It's not your time yet. And of course she's like, no, but I want to stay here. And then she finds that they turn and Christ is there. And she had already seen Jesus and God at the same time previously, but now Christ is before her and he is not saying, but instilling, everything will be okay. We will meet again soon. And she is, as she wakes up on the operating table and she's like, no, send me back, send me back. The nurse asks her, do you have children? And suddenly it comes back. Her, her recollection of this life and what she's doing here, at least, you know, what she's in, you know, embarking on at this time in her life. Her family is very important to her, and she needs to be with her children again, I, I, I gather. But uh, the moment she's reminded of her children, suddenly she does want to be here. So it's not like she is like, oh, bag my kids. I don't even care about them. I just want to be there. And you know, to be fair, there are some who experience that, not because they don't care about their children, but because they recognize in the spiritual sense that their children are going to be okay, so it's they don't have to worry and so forth. But anyway, she seems to take comfort in the knowledge now that there is that place of beauty and peace waiting for her. And I don't know whether it was having seen the place or getting that reassurance from Christ that we will meet again soon but she is assured that she will she says I know that I can get through anything to get back here there to heaven that I think is is a valuable lesson for all of us 
She says, the narrative doesn't even come close to explaining my experience. She says, these words, they're nothing. They're, they're not sufficient. It's not giving you a pure, a real sample of what I experienced. But, you know, I gathered this is the best I can do, you know. And, but she says, there are no words to describe it. Only the knowledge of knowing heaven is real. And I can't wait to go back when it is my time. And I hope we all feel that way. Not a rush to get there, but an anticipation, a love, an excitement about our turn to go to the other side. Let's finish our work on this earth. Let's do what we came here to do. And then when the time comes, we can look forward to it. We can look forward to it. We don't have to dread death. And with that, thank you again, all of you, for listening. Chaz and I thank you for listening to Near Death Experience Podcast. You can reach out to your hosts by using chaz, C-H-A-S, at ndepodcast.org and john, J-O-H-N, at ndepodcast.org. You can text or call the show at 970-633-2278. That's 970-NDE-CAST. Calling allows you to record your message in three-minute increments. If your message runs longer than three minutes, just call back and we can splice the segments together. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching NDE podcast on those sites and join our Facebook NDE podcast community. Please leave feedback for the show on iTunes or via whatever application you use to listen to us. Doing so will allow our audience to grow and help spread the knowledge about spiritually transformative experiences to more listeners. You can help keep the show financially viable by purchasing Chaz's music or his book under the store link on the ndepodcast.org website or by going to patreon.com slash ndepodcast where you can make a one-time only donation or become an ongoing supporter. Whether you decide to write or call us or you choose to support the show either financially or by writing a review or by listening and sharing us with others, We are so humbly thankful for you. We can't begin to express how much touching you spiritually means to us. Chaz and I thank you for joining us. We hope you keep listening and applying the understanding you gain from the show about your existence after this earthly life so you have a better life right now. And to love one another. This is your host, John Messer reminding you that it's all about attitude and gratitude, and our attitude should always be love.